Welcome to Speaking of Grace, the weekly message podcast from the Whole Life Church in Orlando, Florida. We're a multi-ethnic, multicultural, and multi-generational congregation committed to our mission of loving people into a lifelong friendship with God. We are committed to our vision of being a church without walls, fully engaged in serving the people of our community. Thank you for joining us as we continue Speaking of Grace. Well, Ken, if you're listening, you're missing a really, really good service already. Uh, Ken uh, is not with us today because he's spending some time with his son, which is so cool. Church has this little retreat, father-son retreat. He gets to spend some time away, so we get a chance to carry on at this point without him. But I want to underscore the praise team. You guys outdid yourselves. Really, really, really well done. And I want to just add really quickly while you're applauding, because it's really cool. We have the two singers on each side of Yvette. They don't know English yet. And they're singing these songs, and it's just so much fun. They're learning English through music, which I think would might be a good way for me to learn Italian. I should probably figure that out. Ken, last week, introduced this word, arise. And it's a word that's not only going to be used for this series, it's also going to be used for the year. It's going to be our theme the entire year. Now, we're going to use it's, it. We're going to use it the way John uses it. John is very selective in the way he uses this Greek word that he that he kind of scatters throughout his gospel. And it's not just a physical getting up or a waking. It, it goes beyond that. He uses it as in a very um, somewhat emotionally attentive way, not the Macaulay Culkin way, but in a different way in which it's actually a very intentional response on our part. And that's really the way we look at it in chapter 11 of John, because it is highly intentional, the way John uses it, but also the way it actually gets portrayed. Let me give you a little background. John chapter 11, for those of you who may not know, this is the story where Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. It's a pretty big story, right? The background to even that is that Jesus is up in Galilee with his disciples. They're not hiding out, but in a sense, they're being quite safe because Jerusalem and Judea is a hotbed of disaster for, the, for Jesus and his disciples. This, the, the leaders are already scheming ways to do away with Jesus and his followers. But during this time, there is a message that gets through to Jesus from Mary and Martha. Lazarus's sisters. And they, they let Jesus know, our brother Lazarus is sick, deathly sick. And so we, we kind of get this idea that, um, that Jesus maybe uh, does what John might say, arises. And that's where we might find this Greek word. Jesus arises and goes to his friend, Lazarus, who is on the verge of death. But that's not what happens. John doesn't use that word, and Jesus doesn't go. As a matter of fact, Jesus stays put. That's where we kind of, let me just pick up the story. He says that um, 
he gets quoted actually um, by John, and he looks at it, and it says, Jesus loved Martha and Mary, her sister, Lazarus and Lazarus. Oddly, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed on where he was for two more days. After the two days, he said to his disciples, okay, let's go down to Judea. Now, the disciples pushed back a little bit. They said, Rabbi, you can't do that. The Jews are out to kill you, and you're going back? Jesus replied, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in daylight doesn't stumble because we're, there's plenty of light from the sun. Walking at night, we might very well stumble because he can't see where he's going. He said these things, and they then announced, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. I'm going to go wake him up. Let's stop for a second, because John does this a lot. He uses these phrases that Jesus says almost as riddles. We, we see them a lot, actually. We see them in, um, and by the way, are we seeing, oh, we are seeing it. Thank you, by the way. I didn't bring the clicker up with me. Um, we see these a lot because what happens is Jesus says these things and they are all kind of sitting there puzzled. And then there's this meaning below the meaning, so to speak. So the light and stumbling in the night. And then in other times, Jesus says, by the way, I am the light. I am the way, the truth, and the light. And then he says other things like, unless you eat my flesh. I mean, these, we look at these verses, and when we read them, we kind of get them because we see the whole picture. But you can imagine what this must have been like for the disciples and the followers who are listening to Jesus and hearing these phrases for the first time. You must be born again, as we read in John chapter 3 with Nicodemus. John is notorious for doing these little riddles. But he starts off his book by saying, and the word was made flesh. Right? In the beginning was the word. So now I've got control. Okay, good. Okay, so let's find out where we're at. Um, Okay, good. So anyway, there's this, this kind of wordplay that Jesus is doing with the disciples. He actually has to stop and explain the difference between Lazarus sleeping and death. Because the reason he uses these riddles is because he's trying to un- help them understand that there's a superimposed kingdom of God all around them, and they don't even know it. They don't even see it. So he's trying to give heaven language in human earthly tones. So he says, no, 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 you're right. Lazarus is dead. And the next thing we see is Jesus is on his way to Bethany. Now, the problem is, is that Bethany is like a suburb of Jerusalem. It's only like a couple of miles away from Jerusalem. It's actually less than two. You'll see it in the story. So we pick up the story and Jesus has come to Bethany and Martha meets him and, um, and she says, First thing, when Jesus got there, he found Lazarus already four days dead. Bethany was near Jerusalem, only a couple miles away. And many of the Jews were visiting Martha and Mary, sympathizing with them over their brother. And Martha heard Jesus was coming and went out to meet him. Mary remained at the house. I got to follow along myself, don't I? Martha says, Master, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. 
Even now I know that whatever you ask of God, he will give you. And Jesus says, your brother will be raised up. To which Martha says, I go back. Ah, yeah, I know my brother will be raised up in the resurrection at the end of time. There's that little play, riddle, this little play on words, meaning under the meaning. Martha still doesn't quite get it. But what's going on here is pretty important for us to understand because John wants to paint this picture. The disciples are following behind him and they're saying, Jesus doesn't get it. We're walking into our death. He has, he's oblivious to, I mean, is he not serious? This, this is really the end of our ministry if we go down there. Martha is saying, does he not understand if he'd have come just a few days earlier, then I wouldn't have to be dealing with what's going on here. I got people in my house, friends, relatives, but also people I never have seen before. They're here mourning and crying. And my sister Mary is in the bedroom, you know, won't come out. She's not helping. You know, the same story that we read in Luke, but even amplified. Jesus, yes, I understand the resurrection, but I have to deal with life. My brother is dead now. And I look at all around you. You can see what's going on. And John helps us understand that Jesus is not unaware. He's very attentive to what's going on. He just does it in his time. So that's why we see the next verse that pops up. We see Jesus saying to Mary, I am the resurrection and the life. It makes more sense now when we understand it. This this phrase has been somewhat of a byline for us that Jesus uses. But he's helping Mary understand that, yes, I see what you're saying, but Mary still doesn't get it, even after he explains that I am here for this as well. Or sorry, Martha doesn't get it. So Martha leaves him, and she goes to Mary, and she says to Mary, she whispers, actually she goes in, it says kind of in secret, not to disrupt everybody else in the house, and she goes to Mary, and she says, Jesus is here, and he's asking for you. And this is where John uses the word arise. Mary arises. She knows that the room that she was in, the people that are around her, the the friends and relatives that came, even her own sister, Martha, could not compare to where real peace was. When she found out that Jesus was, was there asking for her, she arose, it says, and she went to Jesus' feet. What a, what a great picture that John's trying to paint here. She understood where real peace comes from. I was um, at a wedding with my wife, and um, we were out on the outer banks of North Carolina. And, um, and the, the wedding went great. It was my nephew. The wedding was perfect. Um, but we got word that afternoon that Hurricane Matthew was going to hit the Carolina shores. They said it was going to happen probably the next morning. So my, my daughter actually and her family, they left a little early, but I stayed by with my wife and our, our son and, 
and uh, his girlfriend at the time. And so we were, we were there and we were just kind of hunkered down. We knew it was going to come, but we thought we had some time in the morning. Well, I woke up in the middle of the night and to the sound of thunder crashing and wind hitting our window. And I looked down and I saw a foot of water already in the driveway of our house, of where the condo where we were staying. And I said to my wife, I said, we got to leave now. So my wife woke up everybody and we got everybody packed and in the car. It was record time. We were fast, but already we were now trying to get to the bridge to get to the mainland. And we were driving through at least a foot of water. Rain was sideways. When we got to the bridge, we thought if we could just get over the bridge, we would. And by the way, these aren't pictures because it was middle of the night. But these, it kind of gives you a, a kind of an idea of what this looked like. But we got to the bridge thinking that we could get to the mainland. We'd be fine. We, the bridge, the, the winds were so high that it was literally pushing our car, car sideways on the bridge. We got to the other side and it was no better. The hurricane had gotten into the inlet and it was throwing water into the mainland. And so we were driving literally through trees falling down behind us. And, and the water was so high that the roads, you couldn't even see. It was like we were driving into lakes. And we, we were just hoping that the road wasn't washed out from underneath us. Seven hours, a normal 45-minute drive, seven hours it took us to find, we were trying to get to this one little town that we hoped could get to us to the freeway. We finally got to the town. And as we got to the town, I drove into the main area of town and I said, I saw lights flashing and there was a police officer and what should have been a street was literally a river, a five to six foot river. And I said, is there any way around this to the police officer? He says, no, you're stuck here. This is where you're going to land for a couple of days. You might as well find a place at the motel if there's any room. And I thought, oh, after seven hours of trying so hard to get through this storm to get to our destination, now we get stuck in this small little town. So we backed up, drove a little bit further out of, well, not out of town, but in the outskirts. And there was a small little gas station where people were lined up. It was early in the morning. It was one of the places that was open and people were there already lined up to get things that hopefully would sustain them for the next couple of days. So I walked into the gas station, saw the line, saw people emptying the shelves, and I literally yelled out, is there anyone here who can get us through this? My wife, my children, we're all trying to get, you know, I was just, you know, literally making a plea and it was like I was speaking in a different language. They just looked at me like, who in the world are you? Don't you understand where you're at? I wanted to say, I just came from the Outer Banks and, you know, pay attention to me. So I walked back to my car, knowing that we were stuck. And I was going to have to get word to my family that this is it. This is where our trip ends. And somebody tapped me on the shoulder before I got to the car. And he said, are you the person that just, you know, made an announcement in the gas station? And I said, yeah. And he goes, well, I have that generator in the back of my truck. I have to get it to this family. I know some back roads. I don't know if we can do it, but if you're willing to follow me, 
We'll see if we can manage. And for the first time in seven hours, I said, yeah, I want to go. Let's do this. I want to go with this person because everybody else was just pulled alongside of the road and content to stay. So I said to my wife, I said, we're leaving. And she goes, we're what? I said, we're leaving. She goes, well, how do we do that? I said, we're going to follow him. And she goes, who's he? I said, well, he's got a generator in the back of his truck and, and he's got a winch in the front. So I'm going to follow him. And we did. Now I have to admit, there were times when I wasn't sure we were going the right direction because he was taking us down some back roads, but, and we did go through high, high water. It was a lot different following someone in that situation than doing it alone. He finally got us to the other side. We finally got to the freeway. He said, that's the freeway. He had to go a different direction. We, we were so grateful to him. He drove off and we got to the freeway. You know, I got to thinking about that, that incident. And I understood that There is a place in our lives where we have to start to trust, right? And Mary arose. I arose, believe me, I arose with a fair amount of trust with this man. Mary arose because she knew that Jesus was the only way she was going to find peace and get out of where she was in. Now, I want to suggest four things. But you have to understand the first three before you can understand the fourth one. I want to help us understand four things that go on in this story that John's trying to get us to see. Mary falls at Jesus' feet. And by the way, the first thing out of her mouth, if you read the story, are the same exact words that Martha just said. Same exact words, because they were probably words that she heard Martha say, all through that week, if Jesus was here. If, and so, so that's the first thing she says, but Jesus responds to Mary in a completely different way. Number one, Jesus sees our grief and we get a chance to see his. This is big. I know this sounds a little counterintuitive. It's like, well, wait a minute, shouldn't it be about him paying attention to our grief? What happens when Mary comes to him and she, she, she does it, John draws this contrast between these mourners who are sometimes paid to, to cry for people and what Jesus actually does. It says that Jesus was moved. I know that some translations go through that. Jesus was moved by Mary and the situation. Other translators say Jesus was angry and agitated. But the real picture is that Jesus broke down. Jesus was losing it. Lazarus, this was his friend. And Jesus goes through this with Mary. And Mary sees Jesus' grief. And she realizes that she is not alone in her grief. That there is someone else who experiences it right along with her. We need to understand that one first. Number two. Jesus knows the map. I followed this man in the storm because he told me that I know some back roads. Well, I didn't know any back roads. 
we were on a lot of back roads, but you know what? A lot of those back roads didn't get us anywhere. And he knows not only the back roads, but he's been there before. Jesus understands the road we're on. No matter how hard it is, Jesus knows the end from the beginning. And he not only knows the trajectory, he knows how the road looks and how the road is, he knows what's at the end too. We have to trust that God actually knows this piece. Number three, Jesus knows not only this big picture and the road, he also is invested. In it. When I, when I, one of the things that kind of caught my eye was the generator in the back of his truck, a brand new generator he was trying. This man was invested in this trip. This man was truly a part of getting there because he needed to get there too, right along with me. All of heaven has been invested in this experience of God trying to save us, trying to get us to his side, trying to bring us along. And that is God's way of saying, I'm in this with you, but I'm giving a whole lot more than you need to give because I'm doing it all for you. This is a big deal. And we need to understand those three things before we understand the fourth one. And what's the fourth one? Jesus has the power to change anything. Jesus has the power to change our current reality. He really does. Now, that's the difference between Jesus and this man who helped us through the storm, right? He could get us around some roads and some, maybe some flooded areas, but he wasn't able to stop the storm. Jesus is in the boat with the disciples. He's able to stop the storm, the current reality. But just like Martha would complain about, he doesn't always do it the way we think he should. He does have the power to change it. Jesus goes to the tomb, which really interesting. If you read the story, Martha actually pushes back. He goes to the tomb. He says, roll the stone away. And she's going, whoa, do you understand the smell? Do you understand what's going to happen? Please don't do it this way. Just, Just know that I'm a little anxious about the fact that you didn't come in my time, but now it's done and we're going to take care of this. No, it was already Jesus' plan before he even left Galilee that he, he knew what he was going to do. So, Jesus has the power to change our current reality. It's just that sometimes he doesn't do it the way we think he should. But we can't understand that part of Jesus until we understand the first three. Because Jesus understands and knows where real peace comes from. You know, Lazarus is going to die again. The storms are still going to happen. There will be more people who will come to Lazarus's next funeral. But Jesus knows that his peace is eternal. What he gives doesn't stop, doesn't end. It continues. He says one more thing that John records, and I want you all to pay attention. My peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. 
arise, knowing that peace is still here. And uh, I'm here to ask the questions of the internet to Pastor Jeff today, <laughs> who's very far away from me. Um, how are you? Um, <laughs> we're just trying to stay safe. Um, but the um, uh, if you haven't already, feel free to join us on wholelife.church slash live or on Facebook, and you can post a question right now, and I might even see it before we're done. Because you guys kind of are three minutes ahead of the internet, so you have an advantage. Um, we have, if I can get to just this want to question. say really quick, yes. great job! This was yes. just really, really well done, fan. All right, so we have I'm a blessed. question. We have a question here from Jim, uh, which is he's been reading through the Bible and he's noticed that there's a lot more profound pain than peace. And how can it be better for us now? And I'm not sure if he might be asking, why do we ask for better now? Or can you talk to us about why there's so much pain for those that follow Jesus in the New Testament? You know, that, that's a question actually I asked myself through. Whoever, Jim, Jim, thank you for the question. Um, you know, Jesus actually asked his father the same question. Is it possible that we can... If we can get you know get beyond this, is it possible that we can move through this without going through this part? I I don't know if pain is always going to be or suffering is always going to be the the way to peace or the way to um, happiness. I don't think that's necessarily true, but I do think that in experiencing some of the suffering that we all go through at times, and by the way. You know, life is like that, right? We have peaks and valleys. Uh, Yvette mentioned that before they sang the, this last, the, the song, and the and last set of the songs. But I do think that in those painful experiences that we do grasp a different side of who God is in peace. I do think we do see uh, peace in different, uh, through different eyes when we go, when we go through that suffering. And I, I think, I don't want to say it's essential, but I do think it brings in a totally different side of awareness with it. I, I think even it's either, forgive me, it's either in Proverbs or Ecclesiastes where um, Solomon says, it's better to go to a funeral than a party. Is that There's some of that where <laughs> yeah. there's more to learn from uh, sometimes the suffering than there is from just good times. Well, and, and you know, when you think about Mary at Jesus' feet, she... Yeah. I, I, you know, you might even ask the question, did Jesus have to raise Lazarus for her to find peace? I think she's already found it at that point. Well, Martha, maybe not, but, but Mary did. What I appreciate about this story for sure is that there's a lot of times where people have, they lose a loved one and they are very angry at God. And I just appreciate that there are people, real people in this story that are, angry literally with God who's in front of them. And well, that's a really great point because death angers God too. He, mm. he gets angry about what we have to go through because in a sense, I mean, when you think about it, that's the whole purpose for Jesus coming here was to experience humanity. Let heaven understand what humanity. And so we get a chance to find peace through that, that wisdom of seeing God in it. So uh, God with us. Along those lines, uh, Zoe has a question about if Lazarus was going to die anyway, what was the point of bringing him back? 
Well, uh, again, that sort of follows the same kind of train of thought. Mm-hmm. Um, did did Jesus raise Lazarus for Lazarus's sake? <laughs> you, you might want to ask that question, right? Lazarus is going, hey, why in the world did, you know, I was at peace here. Um, <laughs> I was resting. I was sleeping. Yeah. yeah. So um, there was there was this idea, and I'm not going to say that I understand John's purpose in all of this, but John makes it very clear that this act, as opposed to Matthew, Mark, and Luke, this act was the part that sort of, in a sense, was the last straw for the, for the Pharisees. This, this act actually brought about Jesus, uh, the, the, the trial, the crucifixion. And so it's forth. kind of the greatest demonstration of power before was, the last it, week. It yeah. really was. And so John does make that point. Um, also, there were a lot of people who, at that point, they follow, it says they followed Jesus after seeing this. They, there was no doubt. This, this man is God. And it's different than some of the other miracles that Jesus had done. Four days in a tomb. Excellent. So we only have time for one more question. But if you still have a question, we do have a podcast called This Is Whole Life, which we uh, host. It comes out every Wednesday. And check it out. We answer questions that don't get asked here. Um, we ask them in the podcast. Uh, so the last question is uh, from Denise, who says, um, the word Jesus used to raise Lazarus, is it the same arise word in Greek? No, it's not. The word that we've been working through, good, good question, uh, is a, a, a gero. Um, I probably said that wrong, but... The Greek makes, and John uses it extremely sparingly throughout his gospel. And it's not the same word. As a matter of fact, uh, the word that he uses for um, Lazarus is basically come out. And, uh, and there is no arise part to it. That's why it's so unique to see this word only used with Mary. And uh, when we see it that way, it, it kind of gives us an insight into what John's actually trying to accomplish that the real story is about what's taking place in that context as opposed to the, the miracle itself. If we, if we only look at miracles as miracles and not put them with the context of Jesus' relationship to us, then they, they become sort of sterile. And I think what we'd end up doing is we end up thinking, well, how come he didn't do that miracle for me? You know, I love, mm. so we end up asking those kind of questions, but when you pack in the whole experience that Mary has with Jesus, then the miracles start to make a little bit more sense, if that makes sense to you. Yeah. All right. Very well said. We are getting another question in, so you'll either have to come back for a second or check out that podcast. Um, And it's about peace during grieving. So check that out on the podcast this week. Thank you so much. Thank you, Stanley. I, I know that this kind of sermon makes you ask tons of questions to yourself, like, why in the world am I going through this? Why does our world, our, and what Ken said earlier, why does our country go through? Why are we divided? Why are we, all of these questions. But I do want to say that Jesus' peace still is here. It's still here. I know that sometimes it doesn't feel like it, but it's still here. Next week, uh, we'll have our pastor back with us. uh, Ken will be here and he'll be speaking on Arise with Confidence. But until then, may peace be with you and may his peace go with you.
in wherever you go. Go in peace. Hi, this is Randy McGray, podcast producer and host here at Whole Life Church. Loving people into a lifelong friendship with God is our mission at the Whole Life Church and our podcasts, Speaking of Grace and its companion, 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff, are designed to help facilitate conversations that help us grow together in that pursuit. Now that you've heard the message for this week, don't forget to check out the Whole Life Takeaways for this message. Swipe up in today's show notes and join the conversation. Speaking of conversations, each Wednesday morning we take a closer look at the week's message. That's right, the one you just listened to. We discuss practical ways to apply spiritual lessons and ask honest questions about the issues we face as Christians all focused through the lens of grace. Your voice is a welcomed addition to that conversation. We encourage your thoughts and your questions by sending a voicemail or text to 407-965-1607 or send an email to podcast at wholelife.church. You can find everything podcast-related on our website, wholelife.church slash podcast. And plan on spending every Tuesday evening and Wednesday morning with us as we bring you the Whole Life Church inspiration you love straight into your headphones. Thanks for listening, and have a great week.